Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Have you ever had the experience of feeling like you were absolutely supposed to have sex on demand or feel that even regardless of your feelings, you were supposed to ante up? So whether you're male or female, that can happen. Today, we're going to be talking with Anathea, and she is going to be telling us all about what sexual duty really is about and how to keep yourself away from that slavery. Stay tuned. Welcome to Save Your Sanity Podcast. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. Are you living with the chaos, confusion, and uncertainty that a toxic person loves to create? Is a partner, parent, ex, sibling, child, or coworker causing you to second-guess yourself? That can be crazy-making. I'm here to help you save your sanity. So let's get down to it and figure some things out now. Stay tuned. Hello, and welcome to Save Your Sanity. I'm Dr. Roberta Schiller, and I'm delighted that you're here. If you're returning because you found value, I'm so happy to know that. And if you're new and you just found me, welcome, welcome, welcome. What you're going to find here are a plethora of ways of recognizing the emotional abuse that you may not even realize is happening to you. And I'm going to help you successfully navigate the path from recognizing to recovering and rebuilding after toxic relationships and emotional abuse. And today I have my colleague and friend, Anathea, with us. And we are going to be talking about something we've never talked on the show before. I am so excited. Welcome to the show, Anathea. Thank you so much, Dr. Roberta. It's really nice to be here and talk about this. This is an important subject. Oh, it's hugely important. And we'll probably have to do a second episode on it because I know it's going to be popular. It's just that expectation that you're supposed to somehow have an unwritten sexual contract with someone when you're with somebody who is toxic. And we really want to expose that sexual contract and blow it up. <laughs> so that's what we're going to do yeah. today. Let me tell you a little bit about Anathea. She educates women to connect to the power and sacredness of their feminine side. She's certified from the Divine Feminine Institute as a Divine Feminine Educator and Spiritual Sexual edit Educator. Graduated with honors from a bachelor's program in nutrition. She also holds a double certification in yoga and has taught yoga for many years. We share that. She now focuses her attention on divine feminine education and her book, Empower Yourself by Loving Your Body. So much to talk about. But I want to start first, tell everybody what a divine feminine educator is. I know that's a good, well, let's see, how do I answer that question? You know, we were really uh, birthed and brought up in a world that's very masculine oriented. So whether you're a male or a female, we don't really have those really innate, I mean, we have those innate qualities in us, but we don't navigate the world 
in a more feminine way, which would be more healing to all of us. So a divine feminine educator helps people to recognize those parts of us that are operating in the dysfunctional masculine, you know, overachieving, um, not taking time to relax and restore, um, being in our heads all the time, as opposed to the beauty and wisdom and inner peace that's found when you can slow your mind down and be in your body, honoring your sexuality, honoring your relationships. These are all divine feminine principles. I mean, just a, the tip of the iceberg of that. But when I did my certification program, I was really exposed to so many things that uh, were so healing to me that just I didn't learn in for my family of origin. And my family was a very loving family too, but we just didn't learn these from my family of origin or this, these type of behaviors weren't supported in our regular society or culture. So the, a divine feminine educator is one that brings back the ancient wisdom of the feminine, mm-hmm. which are things like the, uh, um, honoring your body, slowing down, being as opposed to doing. These are just some examples, honoring your intuition. Very important pieces, and they do get terribly lost. And we've yeah. been through a whole generational thing that that sort of suggested that women should be more like men. And if you really wanted to get ahead, that's what you had to do. And then wisely, we seem to realize that, no, that wasn't necessary. And in fact, it was not a good idea. And so you could actually be have different processing, be in a different space, come from a different place, and be as effective as men coming from the feminine. So I'm so glad we got there. (laughs) I don't think it's widely accepted, but we have certainly made some great inroads. What do you think about that shift? Yeah, well, I, you know, when you're talking about that, do you remember the days of, of, in the 80s where we had shoulder pads? We had business (laughs) suits with shoulder pads on? Yes. I was just like being a man, you know, a, a woman in a in in a man's world of what success truly is. And you know, as I've gotten older or saged, you know, it's really about slowing down and allowing your body to be a, a, an attractor of good things. Like you don't have to go grab and get and make things happen. It's mm-hmm. really about open up to the magic of allowing things to come into your life. Now, you said that we have made headway, but I think we still have quite a ways to go. Oh, yes. But, you know, I think you said a magic phrase that we're going to use quite a bit today, which is the idea of opening up because it mm-hmm. it is not only an idea it's something that we do in relationship it's something we do with our bodies it permeates absolutely everything. So I had this experience in my life where I was in a relationship that looked like it was headed for something permanent. So we went on vacation. We were in Maui and supposedly romantically, I was thrown on the bed and I was informed that if we were going to be in a permanent committed relationship, he needed sex three times a day because I was now responsible for his prostate help. So you brought up a really great phrase when we were talking, and that is sexual duty. That seems to me that I was just 
having my sexual duty um, announced to me. Now, just between us girls, I rejected it. But that was a big pronouncement. What would you say? Oh, yeah, that's it's crazy. I think. um, Well, I recently taught manifesting more pleasure. I have a course that I teach one of many um, manifesting more pleasure. And it was shocking to me how even the younger women were still dealing with sexual duty felt obligated in the bedroom. Yeah. You know, and that's what it is. I mean, a female body is really designed for pleasure and we've got it all twisted and backwards. And, um, we think that we're supposed to be here. I mean, we're supposed to be here for each other in relationship, but somehow it's gotten twisted and perverted that we're supposed to be there for the man's pleasure. Mm -hmm. But truly the way it's designed is if a woman is in a state of pleasure, her aura expands and it's actually a gift that she gives her partner mm-hmm. is that healing radiance that her, her expanded aura. So, I mean, when that happened to you, um, how did you respond? Was that the end of the relationship or? Well, we finished the time on Maui. <laughs> let's enjoy Maui. Um, let's have a vacation, but it stayed right here, right? Wow. And when we got home, no, 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 that is not part of the contract. And that turned out to be the deal breaker for sure, among other things, but that was the final straw. But you know, that idea of sexual duty, where do you think that came from? Where where did it become the woman who was subservient to the needs of the man? Well, I'm going back to the suffragettes and the era that eight, I mean, I don't know all of my history, but like the 1800s, you know, where uh, a woman was to be seen, but not heard that she legally didn't have real estate, you know, and I mean, that's just part of our history. And um, so she was here to be a servant to her husband. I mean, she didn't even have right ownership or custody to her children legally. That's true. And, you know, right from the 13th, before the 13th century, women were seen as chattel and they were simply just there to help acquire and amass wealth for the family, you know, and they were supposed to work to achieve that end. So it it does have a very, very long history for sure. But we're here to talk about toxic relationships in particular and sexual duty and toxic relationships is something that is very common. That idea that a man has of you owe me now because I have made a commitment to you in some form, particularly if they've married you, they believe that that's a rite of passage for them being able to demand whatever they want in the bedroom. So if we've been in a toxic relationship and maybe we've left that relationship, how can we bring ourselves to heal and to feel safe to be loved again. We have to redefine what love is. You know, I mean, it's really a, a journey of what I, what I tell women is if you are single after a relationship that you have to take a time of healing and I call it sacred singlehood mm-hmm. where, where you really take that committed time to yourself not looking for the next guy or not looking for the next relationship, hoping the next guy is going to be better and that you've got that behind you because we literally are energy fields. And and if we haven't really looked at 
the way we navigate love, we're just going to attract the same guy, different face. And so I tell women that it's really a rite of passage to take a specific time in your life of like owning your singlehood. And I call it sacred singlehood. Um, And there's many people that have never been single in their adult life, you know? Well, I run into that repeatedly because people will ask me in my groups or clients will ask me, okay, well, you know, the divorce is almost final. I want to date again. And I'm like, whoa, no, 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 male or female. No, 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 no. So I I recommend the same thing. First of all, you've got to go back to healing, but then finding out who am I now? Who am I now that I've been through this last relationship or this experience of being in relationship? How have I changed? How has it changed what I want? How has it changed how I see myself? How has it changed in whom I'd like to attract? And getting in touch with that after you've done the healing work is a very important piece before you go back into the dating world, I think, because... We often seem to have, along with this whole sexual duty and all of the permutations that we feel are out of balance and we've been discussing, we also seem to feel that we're supposed to please someone else. So we go dating and our our question is, how do you like me so far? As opposed to, and this is what I teach my clients, no, you want to be saying, how do I like them so far? Mm, Yeah. Yeah. So making that shift. What you want, what you want, you know, Mm -hmm. like, where am I, where am I? I hear women and I don't want to generalize, but I hear women looking to their man to let them know what's going on in the relationship. You know, where, where are we at? You know, are we in a committed relationship? I'm like, no, you say that you have to state what you want and the universe will bring it to you. I, you know, I, I'm looking for a committed relationship. Where are you at with that? Right, you know? right. You know, if you're enjoying this conversation and you want to learn more, read Anathea's book or find it and or take her love quiz, you will find her at anathea.org. That's A-N-N-A-T-H-E-A.org. So remember that as you're listening. So okay, we want to take some time, regroup, reacquaint ourselves with our values, our vision for our life, what we've learned from a relationship. But when you're longing for true intimacy and you've taken this time, what do you need to kind of take stock of so that you can attract a healthy person into your life? Well, we're talking about you know, I mean, I'm a divine feminine educator. I'm a spiritual sexual educator. I don't really advertise myself as a spiritual sexual educator because then you get the wrong people coming to your website because I'm really about helping women. The subtitle of my book is Reclaiming Your Body is Sacred. So it's, it's really owning your body from top to bottom. And so the, well, during this time of sacred singlehood, the fastest way to shift your energy around intimacy and love is to heal your sexuality. Mm-hmm. The fastest way to shift who you attract into your life that you want to be intimate with 
is to look at your sexuality. Look at your beliefs around sexuality. Look at your attitude about your anatomy, your sexual anatomy. Look at your attitude about your relationship with your body overall. And do you even have a, a, a loving, nurturing connection with your body or your female anatomy. These are the things that I teach women if they really are ready to heal from toxic relationships. Well, I think you said a lot, particularly in the nurturing part, um, because you can get into a place where you think that you need to nurture others and you can Mm -hmm. get totally out of balance by thinking that's your role. And you have to be in balance in order to attract a healthy, balanced relationship. So if you have established who you are, what you want, what feels good, a healthy relationship, as you say, with all parts of your body, and a listening that what is going on? You know, your body, as you said earlier, will give you messages all the time. Yeah. And you have to be listening. You have to slow down. That's why, you know, that's why yoga is such a beautiful practice because see societal um, beliefs or, or the way our society is structured is people don't feel comfortable about sexuality. We joke. If we're going to talk about sex, it's top, It's often in the context of a joke. You know, people don't really feel comfortable talking open and freely about sexuality. Yeah let alone touching your body, you know, (laughs) and, and for women, it's really important for them to have that deeper relationship with their body. I call it self pleasuring, you know, creating this more sensual intimate, and it's beyond just taking a bath and self care. Mm -hmm. It's really, you know, women hold the mysteries, but unfortunately, all too often, we hold the mysteries from ourselves. Or we withhold so, them. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, and we, with, we withhold them. And we, and we really use sex, sex and our sexuality more as a bargaining tool than a, than a, a tool of self-empowerment. Mm, you know, we just yeah. weren't taught. We weren't taught how to navigate our sexuality in this whole new way. When I learned these practices, when I was exposed to this through role modeling, you know, you don't know what you don't know. But when I went through that own journey of healing my own sexuality, which we're all still in the process of doing, it was so transformational for me that I've been teaching this stuff ever since. Mm -hmm. That was back in 2003 to 2005. That's that's a big realization, and I'm sure that many women could do well to come to it. But if you have um, been in relationship, you've been taught poorly, the examples that you've had of relationship have been less than optimal, um, and you're a woman who kind of loses yourself in a relationship, you know, it all becomes lopsided and a little wonky and warped. How do you reclaim that? You know, you use the word reclaim in your book title. How do you how do you reclaim it? What do you have to do? What are some very practical things? Well, I think one of the things is to understand sexual energetics. Mm. So this isn't this this is just I'm going to give you a concept first. Um, but who teaches about sexual energetics, right? No, where, where, where do you learn about sexual energetics? <laughs> <laughs> a 
What about sexual reflexology? Nobody knows about that, right? As a standard rule. But to understand that we're the innies and men are the outies. So there's an energy that's coming into us. Right. And it's a given that we're supposed to receive that energy. But over time, that's how a woman loses herself in relationship. She becomes his desires, his needs, his wants. She gets, she becomes emotionally dyslexic because she, she's an empath typically. And, and this sexual energy though, very could be very pleasurable, but lots of times it's very just pleasing to him. You know, that's that sexual duty. She gets washed with his energy time and time again, and then doesn't even know who she is. Right. Without before she doesn't even know what's really happening to her. So I think, you know, practical tools. Number one is just understanding how powerful this energy is and being protective of your own energy. Yes. Well, generally protective. You know, we live in a world where we're constantly being bombarded with ideas, the television, the internet, and we we don't have a good selection process often because we don't even realize how much is just coming in our retinas and bypassing it, going to our brain. We didn't even think about it. So when we contrast that with, oh, we've been historically told that we are supposed to be there to please men, then it becomes something that gets extrapolated into the sexual arena. And many men that are dysfunctional, particularly toxic hijackal men, We'll have that feeling like, I have a right. I have a right to your body. You know, I pay the bills around here, or I've made a commitment, or I have chosen you forsaking all others, and therefore, (laughs) you are supposed to fulfill this contract by being sexually available to me at any time. And it's terribly invasive, going back to what you said. Not only is it physically invasive, it's energetically invasive, and then we don't have the opportunity or, or take perhaps the time to say, oh, no, 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 no. Um, I've taken on that energy. It is uncomfortable to me. I don't want it. Because almost invariably, again, the invasion is about to happen. And yes, I don't want to leave you men out of this equation because I know that you can be with a hijackal woman who is extremely high maintenance, as we say, Um, in many ways. Usually we're talking about money and time in that regard, but women can be very, very demanding and demeaning as well when they're hijackals and they want to be serviced or they want to be the ones who are rejecting to have the right to be rejecting power over by rejecting. So we get into toxic relationships in that regard too, that men find themselves in a, in a bind. They, they, they become emasculated because they don't know what to do. So it can happen in both directions, right? Totally, totally. And it's using sex to manipulate and control Mm -hmm. instead of using sex as a way to create, um, Connection, love, um, the strength of vulnerability, exposing ourselves in a way that creates more intimacy. You know, think of it. We're naked, right? We're naked with each other. But often we're naked, but we have these energetic walls that we come into the bedroom with. 
and rightfully so oftentimes in Mm -hmm. most directions, you know? So it's, it's really about taking that sexual energy and learning how to move it through the heart. Mm. And it's funny, sex energetics is women come into the bedroom with a busy mind and men come into the bedroom with a busy groin. (laughs) And so it's about learning how to meet in the middle. Yes. And I I tell my clients when we're discussing these things that explain it to your partner this way. Men are microwaves and women are slow cookers. You know, (laughs) we, we like to be encouraged all day long it keeps us engaged and warms us to our partners and that's an important feature for men to know that we are not microwaves we don't just okay yes let's sure i mean sometimes that's the case in healthy relationships where you feel safe to have that experience that may be a good one for you but generally we build up to the desire for sexual intimacy in different ways, don't we? Yes. As a matter of fact, one of my teachers said uh, uh, that women need to understand and educate their men that in order to make love to me, it requires 72 hours of preparation. So you can't have an argument in the afternoon and then all of a sudden think that your woman's going to be all open and juicy and ready to go. You know. you know, I just heard a collective gasp from every man listening to this podcast. <laughs> 72 <laughs> hours. What do you mean? But you know, that's such good information for everybody to have because if you knew that that was the case, wouldn't you take such better care of the relationship and your yes. partner so that you yes. wouldn't have to have a 72 hour reconnoiter time? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Well, another, thing I, 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 another thing I teach uh, my man, and I've had my, my students I teach, I say, let your partner know that you're not a cactus. You're one of those little <laughs> delicate ferns that needs watering, fertilizing on a regular basis. And really, we should do that to each other. We should learn how to really juice each other up. Mm-hmm. That's the that's when we learn how to become each other's healers instead of each other's wounders in relationship. Mm-hmm. But for women that, and people that are in toxic relationships, you have to create a foundation of that type of relationship with yourself, that really nurturing um, self care on a deeper level. If you're going to even attract that, it you know outside yourself in a relate with a relationship. Well, you just brought up something that we haven't talked about. So let's talk about this safety. You know, no one wants to, well, I shouldn't say that in a blanket statement because some people enjoy controlled violence in, in their sexual mm. life. But, you know, the average person wants to feel safe. Even if you enjoy those, those further exploits, you still have safe words and you can trust your partner to hear them. But we want to feel safe. And it's such a basic thing. And when you're in a toxic relationship, all day long, walking on eggshells, being hypervigilant, not feeling emotionally safe, 
or maybe even not physically safe. And then the demand comes for sexual activity and you know you're not safe. And yet the demand is there, that sexual duty call comes. This is huge. So let's talk about how you create safety in order to have a happy desire to engage with your partner sexually and contrast it to what happens in a toxic relationship? Well, to to create that, you have to create that from within yourself. I mean, the key thing here is healthy boundaries. And what I teach is sexual authority so that Mm. when you get into the bedroom, it's actually, it's, I mean, it's important to have communication. You can't have it. um, Your sex life is only going to be as good as your ability to communicate. Mm-hmm. But above and beyond that, we really are energy beings. You know, we speak with body language. And so when you understand your own sexuality, your own sexual needs, and you have a, a relationship with your body and with your sexuality, when you get into the bedroom, it's your body. There's a portion of it where your body is speaking. Mm-hmm. Your body is moving in a co- confident way. And so perpetration cannot happen if you're energetically um, open, but still understanding your own personal boundaries of what you will and will not accept just alone on an energetic level, you know? Mm-hmm. And first of all, identifying that within ourselves, but then having that confidence to express it. And then observing what happens. And one of the things that happens with toxic people is when they are dating, they will often start talking about sex way too early. Mm-hmm. It's like they want to know, what are my chances here? I don't want to waste my time. I want to figure out if I'm going to be able to get what I want out of this relationship. And if you understand that that is one of the the big red flags of being <laughs> in the dating world, you know, that, okay, now all of a sudden we've said hello and now we're talking about how soon we can go to bed together. Not a safe conversation because even though you may enjoy sex, that's inappropriate that a talk, their relationship Potential is being based on a discussion about sex in the first or second date. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, the other thing too is, you know, sex is related to intercourse. And I like to educate on putting the word outer course on the map. You know, it's really how does a woman command herself in the sexual realm? Is she speaking in a way to dangle a carrot over, you know, in front of him and using it again as manipulation or control? Because that's what she saw her mother do. That's what she saw her grandmother do. That's what she sees out in society. Or is she speaking from a place of authority of knowing how sacred her sexuality is? Mm -hmm. And then she chooses words like I teach Yoni awareness, you know, we come into these relationships where it's all about making sure he's pleased, right? If we come into the relationship, um, like just the, the, the choices of words that we use, um, you know, that your Yoni, your sacred space as a woman is just as valid and just as important. You're going to use, you're going to, your whole energy field is going to be different. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's far more than a lingam world, right? <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, um, Anathia and I share a yogic background, so of course that's why we're laughing. But um, it, it's important, so important what you're saying. And, you know, I don't use that word important lightly. And knowing these things about yourself, knowing that you have the right to think and express these things about yourself is huge because that confidence to speak about these things is something that you can't practice when you're a teenager, you know, looking in the bedroom mirror, I suppose you could, you could practice, but there's no class that tells you how to do it and you get to practice. So you have to find these places within yourself. So I hope that this podcast episode is opening your mind to the possibilities of how you decide to open other parts of your life and body. Because for you to have a mutually satisfying, rewarding, loving, enriching, sacred experience with the person in your life requires consciousness, not duty. Right, right, exactly. And and effort on your part, because we don't learn it in our standard education. You know, mm-hmm. you're, you're reminding me of something that I really think is important to share with your audience, is that there have been studies, there is a direct connection between the vagina and the brain. Mm-hmm. So what happens down there directly affects a woman's sense of self-esteem and yeah. confidence. I believe that. Yeah. And so, so the sad part is that uh, when a woman really realizes she's just being used, even if the guy loves her, but it's just this unconscious sexual duty, her yoni, her sacred space, her female anatomy knows better and Mm -hmm. shuts down, but it also shuts down her confidence and her sense of self because Mm -hmm. these two are inherently connected. And so the the good side to this is that when you bring respect and love and nurturing and great awareness to your female anatomy, it affects in a positive way your sense of self, your self-esteem, even your creative energy expression or flow. I know when I was personally doing my a lot of my sexual healing Oh my gosh, it was just like I, the, the the creative energy that was flowing through me was amazing. You know, I just felt it it the best way to shift your energy. Like it's not like an anti-depression pill and this isn't sex. This is honoring your female anatomy. When women honor their female anatomy, everybody benefits. Mm-hmm. The whole community benefits. But it what we have in a in a um, backdrop of our society is pornography rampant on the internet. Mm-hmm. That's the reality. And so when women are really cl- reclaiming their female anatomy as sacred, we're doing community work. <laughs> <laughs> what a lovely expression. I, I'm doing community support work right now. <laughs> <laughs> It literally ripples out into the community because, you know, they say a happy wife, a happy life, right? Mm -hmm. And the mother is the nucleus of the whole family. If she's shut down, if she's in duty mode, if she's in codependent victim energy, how can she raise a healthy child? 
you know? Well, that's true. You know, I was speaking with a client this morning and, and she has a young child and she's in a terribly dysfunctional relationship. And she was saying, but, you know, I stay, um, well, you know, I put up with it. And I said, yeah, that's fine for you, but why are you making your child put up with it? Why are you demonstrating to your child that this is the way a man behaves on a daily basis? The model that this two-year-old child is seeing is this is the way men behave, and this is the way men and women are in relationship. So to your point, like I think about women and men who have been sexually abused in their early years, and what do they learn about themselves what do they internalize about themselves? Do they go through the healing process to realize the impact that all of that has on their sexual life now or their feelings about their self, themselves as sexual beings? Which we're not supposed to be. We're not supposed to be sexual beings, right? <laughs> well, if we were supposed to be, I think that mankind would be a little short-lived. because that i mean that whole thing but you know we use language like in the in the vocabulary of many people it's you know i had her i took her or i you know i overpowered her i hit her over the head with my club and dragged her by the hair back to my cave you know we have all of these images of men having power over women and then we have the other side of the image of particularly in the east we have you know women seducing men and women dancing for men for the pleasure of it and then withholding themselves for long periods of time or the tantric approach to sexual intimacy and and awareness and philosophy you know we have a lot of variations to look at aside from the should we do it or shouldn't we or i want to so you should you should put out kind of mentality yeah well you know the whole idea of seduction if we really look at that and if men gave it much thought it doesn't create safety for the man because he's outright being manipulated Mm. but the opposite is true isn't it Mm -hmm. you know men who manipulate women by what i call and we call in the literature future faking you know, I want to get you to bed because I've promised you this wonderful future. We're going to be together forever. We're oh. going to make beautiful babies. So, you know, let me get what I want right now because I future faked and you bought into it, right? Wow, I love that term, future faking. I mean, that's kind of the typical romance, you know? That's what why people get, many people get married in the face of future faking, you know, and Oh, it'll be so wonderful. And we'll do all of these things. And, you know, maybe that that's in the cards. Maybe that's a real plan. Maybe that's a manipulation. Maybe that's a dream. Or maybe that's simply painting a picture so that you'll do what I want you to do right now. Yeah. You know, many people get into toxic relationships primarily because of the future faking. One of the things that toxic people will do is that they will tell you way early on that they love you. They know that they want to be with you forever. We should get married. We should have babies. Um, let's, let's buy somewhere out in the country where we can be uniquely alone. 
That's frightening when you're with a toxic person because they're trying to isolate and marginalize you. But they put it in this romantic picture of, you know, let's let's have a farm. Let's go off the grid. Let's um, really take you away from all support that you possibly have. And then you will become dependent on me and I will trauma bond. And, and that's so difficult. So so much to talk about. Well, I know we'll be talking again because there's so many things that are coming up. But if if you have been in a toxic relationship and you're healing, what's the place of pleasure in that? What what should you be thinking about? You've talked about pleasure before, but what should you be thinking about and preparing yourself to be ready to engage in new relationship possibilities? Deepen your relationship with your body. How do you do that? Yeah, so there's a lot of different. I mean, I had one woman take my courses for a year. She was in her 60s and she said, it's taking me a year to actually understand the difference of being in my head and being in my body. Mm. So we really, our world is all about everything from a mental construct. So we don't even see our, we, we see our bodies from a mental construct. You know, we need to have bigger breasts, flat, flatter tummy, thinner thighs, bigger butt, smaller butt, whatever. We are, we're not inside of our bodies. So just, I mean, there's, you know, practical tools. I don't even want to give one tool, but breath, movement, and sound. Mm-hmm. You know, we are walking around with emotional armor, repressed emotions that keep us living from the head up. Right. And we're not, and we get into bed and we're like, we're with our head, we're having sex from fantasy or with our head and our genitals, but we're not a whole being connecting with another whole being. So I think that the journey is to become a whole being. So being, not doing, learn Mm -hmm. how, learn the difference between being in your head and being in your body. I think that that's would be the biggest thing for that time of, of being by yourself and preparing yourself for another relationship is understand the difference. Lovely. You know, and I think about that connectivity you're talking about between head and, and other body parts and, communication is the key and we get all locked up at the throat chakra and that's what cuts us off. We're in our head and we're not really connected beyond that, but we're being used in another arena of the body (laughs) Um, and our communication is not open. Our communication with ourself, our communication with our partner, learning to have the words that express our desires, our needs, our wants, our preferences, all of those things are very important. I know that we'll have another conversation on Athea because there's so much more to discuss so I want everyone to know, again, that you can learn more about Anathea's work. Go to anathea.org, A-N-N-A, two N's, A-N-N-A-T-H-E-A dot org. And you can take her love quiz. It's in the show notes below. The link is there for you, a link to her website, and all other ways to connect with Anathea. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us. Well, thank you so much for having me. This was wonderful. Thank you for joining me on the Save Your Sanity podcast today. I hope you've had some new insights, 
some ideas and strategies to help you gain clarity and confidence for moving forward toward greater emotional health and safety. You deserve that, and so do your children. If you found value here and would like to support this podcast with a dollar or five each month, please do so at patreon.com slash saveyoursanity. Learn more about how to work with me by a video conference, join my optimized circles, or subscribe to this podcast on my YouTube channel at my website, transformingrelationship.com. Talk soon. Thank you.